Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion. You love it. No, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> It'll be edited out. <laughs> All I got to do is turn the volume down. <laughs> Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed and hip-hop perspective. What? No, just Reformed <laughs> Baptist. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. What up, Jimmy? What's up, Joey? Man. Man, you ready for this? I'm, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's a beautiful day and a uh, lot going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just a, so are you going to finish the deck today? No, just the first, just the one level. That first level will be finished mm. today. And uh, then we're going to go down into the yard where we have a big fire pit that I built all by myself. And Now, uh, you got all the materials you needed on your own, right? Mm-hmm. You know what? Hey, look. Now I need to go back to this. So we had already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Your fire pit, how you did it. Yep. Got all the stones. Mm-hmm. Did everything now, myself. I did get the text from Jen. Yep. She did say you did it all. I did. And that you messed up. I didn't mess it up. It's perfect. Uh, you messed it up because mm-hmm. you kept buying more bricks than you needed. And now keep, you have bricks. I did, I did not keep buying more bricks. I bought more bricks than I needed because, you know, math was involved. So I have uh, four extra stones. Mm. Mm-hmm. Only four? But actually, now they're all in use because I use them as decorative little Actually, things. four is not bad. Yeah. And I, so had, I, had, oh, like, sorry, and I bought five extra stones. So I have one in my not car. Bad. One in my car. One left. Why on. is it in your car? Because I don't know what to do with it. So, you know what? I'll put it in your yard. You can use it. No, no, yep. that's cool. It'll be the no, no, that's cool. Yep. Cool, cool, yep. cool, cool. You can be on the lookout for it. Nope. No, no, yep. no, 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 no. You can put a picture up on uh, no, I Doctrine will not, and Devotions I do Instagram. Not, I do not want that up it there. It will be in your yard. It will not be. I guarantee it. It will not. Want to bet? Uh, no. <laughs> but do not <laughs> do it. It's going to be there. Don't do it. You'll love it. It's a I'm, nice why? big 12. But I will say, again, only buying five extra is actually pretty good. Yeah. Because you never know. One might break. So it makes sense that you bought a few extra. Well, I didn't buy my own purpose extra. I yeah, I know. did the math wrong. You <laughs> did the math wrong. Your stupidity mm-hmm. saved you. Yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, uh, let's worry about, what are you doing tonight? Are you going to do anything? I'm going to barbecue. Gonna, you said you're going to barbecue. I'm going to barbecue. Don't know what you're making yet? I don't know yet. Um, okay. And uh, when is the, when is this whole, like I said, you have not been able to go to work. Yeah. When are you going to go back to work? Do you know yet? I might go tomorrow. Really? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. It's been a while. Yeah, because you got people working. I mean, you're an essential business. Yeah, yeah. So um, we run a lot of uh, sanitizers for hospitals. Yeah. So they gotta stay clean. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah. I uh, I just I'm I'm itching for it. Yeah. I'm itching. I mean, I got my mask and everything. I got my gloves. You know, I've got all the stuff you're supposed to. It, but my facility's clean, man. You got the we, we disinfect everything. How's that gonna help you? Well, you know, how's that gonna help against Corona? Well, Corona could get in the hair. Do you not feel dumb right now? No, not at all. I don't have hair. That's why I don't have to wear one. Yeah. But are you supposed to wear hair nets? Okay. What? What? Oh, yes, of course. The CDC but guidelines. CDC guidelines. Yeah, got hair nets. Pretty sure. I don't I don't pay attention. I don't have hair. So I don't really, when they start talking about hairs, I, I, don't, I don't pay attention. I don't think you understand that that's not true. You know, uh, when I, the first time I went to see Jimmy's operation, uh, I had to wear a hair net on my beard. Yep. Yeah. That, Made him do it. That picture is still floating around somewhere on the mm-hmm. interwebs. So we thought we would take uh, today, just do a, a brief uh, episode, answering a few questions that have recently come in, most of which are related to the current situation that we all find ourselves in. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so you got the questions. I, I have not looked at these. Okay, so. Let's do it. Uh, Beth wrote in, and uh, the subject Beth is. Beth Moore, yes. What does not, she need? Nope, nope, not Beth Moore. She's at home right now, because uh, MacArthur told her to go there. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you Beth. said that. As soon as you said she's at home, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) So this lady, Beth, uh, her subject is believers protesting. She goes, hey, guys. Hey, guys. 
I love listening to you. Thank you, Beth. We yeah. love that you're listening. That's awesome. I have a question. I live in a state that has seen protests in the last few days. They feel our constitutional rights are being violated due to the stay-at-home orders. Some of these protesters are in leadership at my church. How would you respond to members or leaders protesting a situation like this? I live in Ohio, and our governor has been praised for his efforts. I do not believe that he has done anything that goes against scripture, but would love any insight you can give me. Thanks again. Hmm. Now, I know some states have way overstepped uh, constitutional boundaries, yeah. and they're getting – I don't know what's going on in Ohio, so I can't speak about that. You know, I don't really pay much attention to the flyover states. You know, they're kind of useless. I just you know, focus on the east and west coast. Gotcha. You know, do you know? You know okay, so the what's going on in the west coast and the east coast? Because uh, those are the only ones you focus yeah, on. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. So uh, in California, uh-huh. yep, uh, temperatures are in the uh, mid seventies <laughs> right now, and uh, it's sunny. So where? So let, let's do a couple of things. There are some states that uh, uh, Minnesota, maybe. There's a couple of states that are where the the leadership is is overstepping, and uh, the citizens are upset. Okay, and and that's that that's fine. I I get that. Um, and then other states, I think, are, are doing their best and they're, they have a good uh, take on things. Um, if our constitutional rights are being violated, then citizens not only have the opportunity or the privilege, but I think we have the responsibility to push back and yeah. say, you are violating constitutional rights. As citizens of this country, uh, we have an invested interest and a responsibility to be good neighbors. And so this is a part of what we would have to do um, is to speak up when these things are going on. So just for example, civil rights were being uh, violated against Mm African-Americans. And so we had the civil rights movement uh, pushing back against Jim Crow laws, entirely appropriate. So what you're saying here, though, is, um, is it appropriate for church leaders to be doing this? Um, If constitutional rights are being violated, then yeah, I I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, You you said... uh, now, you said, I believe our governor uh, hasn't done anything that goes against scripture. Well, that may be the case, uh, and he still may be violating uh, a constitutional law mm-hmm. in which the citizens have a right, and I would argue a responsibility to step up. Just because this world is not our home doesn't mean that we don't have responsibilities here. Yeah. So that's, that's, that tends to be my way of, of looking at it. Now, like, I, like I want to focus on her for a second, because I agree with you uh, when you're talking about the constitutional stuff and our responsibilities. Now, what about for those like Beth that her conscience is not right, is not there? She doesn't think that there's so, a sin is, issue. So then is this an issue of the conscience where uh, for her, she doesn't see it. Now, others shouldn't try to bind her conscience right. and she should not try, be trying to bind others conscience. So yeah. if they're protesting and maybe it's correct that they're protesting, is it wrong for her not to because she's just not been convicted in that way? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's wrong for for them to be for there to be disagreements here, and um, and I would say I would say this that um, just because it, it, let's say constitutional rights are being violated and the the leaders in the church want to address that, um, I think that's fine. But the way you go about the protest could be wrong. So it's like you may have the right to do something, and you can do it in a way that it doesn't honor God and doesn't mm. honor. Uh, the, the scripture, uh, the, the scriptures that would especially be relevant to to these sorts of issues. So just because you can do it doesn't mean you're doing it in the right way. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you, Jimmy, that we have to have the ability to say, here's what the scripture is. why confessionalism is so helpful. This is what we believe. These yeah. are the things that yep. are important to yep. us. Now, uh, we're going to disagree on some stuff and we can actually roll together. 
We talk about this a lot, maybe not enough on air, but it's like in our church, we have Calvinists and non-Calvinists here. Yeah. We have amillennialists and... Uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. It's hard to say it without laughing. Premillennialists. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's fine. It, no, nobody's upset. They know what we teach. They know where, where we stand. Yeah. And yeah. we can all get along. And it, it's like... You, we should be able as neighbors, as citizens, and as church members to disagree and know when we have to draw a line of separation and when we don't have to draw a line of separation. Yeah. People are going to vote for Trump in our church. People are going to dr- vote for third party in our church. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to vote blue, but I imagine somebody will. And we're not, nobody's up in arms about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good question. And it may really depend on what's, uh, what's happening. Yeah. It depends on yeah what's happening. Cause I, even for me, I'm trying to think through, okay, what does it mean for me to, to go back to work? Right. Yeah. Cause I have the ability to work from home, but it's like enough's enough, you know? Yeah. And you know, like, like one, one governor, I think it was a governor saying you can't cross the street and go, you know, it's like, what, wait, what? You can't cross the street to your neighbors. You can only leave your house. Uh, or, or like Mayor de Blasio over in New York, mm-hmm. uh, essentially saying if people are, are gathering, take photos, send it to the cops. Yeah. Start ratting out your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. That, by the way, uh, that's what leads to insurrection. Yeah. That's what leads to a revolt. Uh, be very careful, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. playing that way. All right, Beth, very good question. Uh, let's see. We also got a question from Peter. Peter. All right. Peter Frost. Peter, not Pete Frost. Oh, okay. He's a good guy. He's in your DG, isn't he? Yep. Uh, neglecting to meet together is the subject. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Just a quick question. Do you feel that there is a biblical mandate to meet regularly as a church, e.g. Hebrews 10.25? If so, how long can churches go not actually meeting together before we are considered neglecting to meet together? I know we need to submit to our rulers and also love our neighbor and also love our neighbor by limiting the spread of coronavirus. But to what degree can we do those things while still obeying the call to meet together? As well as the call to practice the Lord's Supper regularly, since it may not be true communion to practice it in isolation. Your socially distanced brother, Peter. Peter. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a great question. I mean, I think so I think that's where when you're providentially hindered, that's that's the situation that yeah. we're in right now, right? We are providentially hindered. If we could meet, we would meet. Right. If we could gather together on the Lord's Day, we would gather together on the Lord's Day. And if when we, you say that, you're not saying if we could, but we can't because the government says no. You're saying we can't because we think it's dangerous to do so. We think we're going to wind up hurting people. Correct. At this time, right? Yeah. Now, um, and so because of that, I do think it's okay to do what we're doing, right? Like doing the the virtual stuff, the not virtual communion. I just want to, we already had an episode on that. Um, but like virtually gathering together, you know, whether it's the Wednesday midweek that Joe's doing or whether it's our uh, weekly community groups, uh, Bible studies, discipleship groups, right? Um, so, I guess I don't think that we are forsaking the assembly because we don't have the opportunity to assemble. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I uh, that's the phrase providential hindrance. Um, we are not, uh, intentionally avoiding worship. We are, uh, suspending these services because it could wind up killing people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we consider that to be a, a providential hindrance, and we're 
you know, taking this uh, every couple of weeks by every couple of weeks, right? We yeah. update the church, say, hey, listen, so services are suspended until uh, further notice or services are suspended through this date and we will re-up uh, this this little uh, And so like even for us, now now here comes that conversation even mm-hmm. with the last, with Beth's question, right? Yeah. Uh, in Illinois, the looks like the stats are showing, the data is showing, the curve is flattened, we're on the other side, right? As we're going lower, then it becomes the time of like, okay, when is it now appropriate to reopen? Yeah. Uh, and we might even, I, I'm not saying we would, I'm just saying there's always that potential where JB, Jellybean, uh, Pritzker, uh, says you can't, you cannot assemble, but yet we should be able to. Yeah. You know what I mean? When it comes to that, then we're having that conversation of uh, when are they overstepping their boundaries yeah. to, to restricting us from worshiping when we should be allowed to worship. And so you, then you got to weigh it, right? So first of all, let's be clear. Uh, this is not persecution because this is all gatherings of any mm-hmm. size. So if, if Pritzker said, no, everybody can get back together uh, in you know sporting events or whatever, but churches can't. Now it's persecution. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty clear. Um, or but, even that crazy, though I shouldn't say crazy. The 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 governor that was shutting down those drive in yeah, drive in churches. I'm sorry. That was a if we had the opportunity, we had the space, and we were able to do that. That we a, that we would do it, yeah. but we can't. We don't have it. Uh, so I look at that. and I go. That is a very creative solution mm-hmm. to the problem. That's a very creative way to be able to gather together in some form. Right. Uh, in some form, in some way, and yet still obey. So um, it, when it comes to us, we, I think we would say uh, we're hindered from gathering. So we're, we're doing what we can and we're willing to, you know, suffer behind a, a frowning providence here and seek to honor the Lord. We think he's teaching us during this time. If we felt that uh, we were being prohibited from worshiping by the government when there is no danger and mm-hmm. there's no just cause, that's when you can consider civil disobedience a viable option. Yeah. Um, and we listen, we're not getting into like, well, what about right now? I mean, should should there be a ban on churches right now? That, that's, that's a more complicated uh, constitutional sort of a, a conversation. Um, and, and even, even a theological conversation. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't gather right now because of the uh, the, the threat levels. But, threat level midnight, yes. Yeah, because of the because of the not the threat of the government, but the threat of you know uh, disease. Uh, but there will come a time here when I don't think there is cause, and yeah. then we'll and we'll be revisiting that stuff for sure. Like you said, every two weeks. <laughs> no, for real. You, like every every couple of weeks, we want to revisit and take a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I thought you were gonna go in a different direction. Oh. <laughs> Well, one of the things that, you know, people should be considering um, in all of this is the health of the church. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do after this? You know, how are we, how, how are, what's going to be the impact on our churches once all of this is is said and done? Um, like a lot of businesses are going to close. Some churches are going to really struggle. Yeah. And some pastors are going to find themselves in a situation where like, wow, I might have to go bivocational, which means like all this to say, you know, the ministry landscape has been changing for some time. It changes throughout generations. Uh, but even now, more and more pastors need to be equipped with not only rigorous theological training, but you also need uh, job skills to make a living where God calls you. So, uh, our sponsor this month is Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and they've created the MDiv MBA. 
In just four years, you can graduate from a theologically rigorous MDiv program at Southeastern and have the practical job skills of an MBA. Mm. With leading Baptist scholars like Bruce Ashford, Ashford uh, Ben Merkel, John Hammett, John Hammett, he was in uh, Mad Men. Uh, the, no, it's John Ham. There's no better time to start your theological training than today. Uh, we love Southeastern, great people there. Um, you can get all your details at sebts.edu or follow the link in our show notes, take you directly where you need to go to learn all about the MDiv MBA. Boom. All right. Well, let's see what else we got here. Um, this is an email from Chris. All right. Santa Maria. Not that one. Long time listener, first time making contact, which is a take on Long-time listener. First-time first caller. caller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clever. As I was preparing for my sermon, I was reading through Matthew 26, 26 through 29, the institution of the Lord's Supper, and verse 29 struck me in light of the conversation that church and you are all having right now about virtual communion. I had a thought that I would love your input on. Do you think that part of what Jesus is saying when he tells his disciples that he will not drink again until that day when I drink with you in my Father's kingdom, is that while... They are physically separated. Physical communion, physical communion is not possible. So here's the question. Is that a reason to argue we don't do communion apart from one another because Jesus isn't with us and he won't do it with us virtually. Uh, he will do it with us once we're here. He said, I have not heard anyone make that argument. I have, by the way, um, though I confess I'm not an expert in the subject or that widely read. Is this a further argument as to why we should not partake of communion when providentially hindered from physical fellowship? Um, I personally don't find that argument super compelling. Uh, number one, because Christ is with us while we are, he's not drinking it, but he is with us while we're doing, but I think he's trying to say we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am with them. So if the church is not gathered, then. Right, right, right. But, but he, but he's saying like, Jesus, I will not drink this again with you, um, until the end. So I'm saying, I agree. It's not a compelling argument. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, it there, there may be a principle there that uh, that's true that I don't see, but I, that's not where I go. I go. We, we've already talked about this at length, so mm-hmm. you can read the article and, and listen to our podcast on it. Um, but I have had, I think, two people uh, make this argument with me, uh, taking the position that we take. But uh, I, I wouldn't go there. I, I don't think that's the point. Um, yeah, I don't think that's the that, that's not a text to be uh, using in this situation. But, you know, by the way, uh, Chris, thank you for listening. And he is hoping to bring some guys from his church to the D&D conference, which is, you know, basically we're, we have it's we're in a tough situation because hmm. we have to pick up the T4G slack. Uh, the T4G bail. They bail. Don't, 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 and don't, so don't. They couldn't hack it. We have to no, hack it. No, no, no. That's so, not like, it. They oh, couldn't well, we're, do their we're gonna, job. Yeah, we're going to so be hacky. Yes, we're you're right about do that. Our <laughs> job and T4G's job. So, um, yes, right now we are still planning on doing the conference. It's going down in September. September, yeah. So we should be in the clear. Uh, we will keep everybody updated. So you can register now uh, at the website. And people are. And people are still registering. Um, or if you need to wait a little bit and see how things are shaking out, that's fine too. But, hey, listen, Chris, when, uh, when you get here, uh, be sure and let us know. And, um, and Joe will buy you a cigar. I was going to make that joke about you. Dang it. Yes, and for all your friends. Okay. Now that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy has a bunch of cigars in his locker, so I'm sure uh, he doesn't even hardly go there anymore. All right. I, think well, I do have a lot of cigars in there. Let's see. I got cigars everywhere. I got cigars there. I got cigars at your house. Yeah, you do. You have two cigars. In two there. cigars. At two your Cubans. House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope they last. 
you know what? I only asked you about it because I had a feeling you already smoked I it. I would not do that. I you would, would never. If they were something that I could replace <laughs> at the cigar shop, then yes, I would I would smoke them and then just buy you a replacement. But these are Cubans, which I cannot replace. All right, we got an email from Brett Brett Breton. Brett, that's not even a name. Mm. Breton. Breton. It's like a name of an appliance. All right, Brett Bear. Brett Breton. Uh, hey, I'm a little behind in the podcast. Listening to discussion on 2610, that's the 1689, 26 chapter, mm-hmm. paragraph 10, specifically when you touched on Tim Keller planting in Manhattan. My question revolves around uh, contexts such as Manhattan. Wouldn't it be better stewardship to adopt a model similar to Chan's network of house churches versus aiming for the traditional central gathering location, putting aside all the recent Chan controversy and looking for the model, looking at the model? Further thoughts, as an X-29 distinctive being missional innovation, it seems this would be an attractive tool in the church planting toolbox. Well, certainly um, house churches are uh, one way of of doing church. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and though I don't think, I'm not an expert. On, oh, here we go. On house here churches. we go. Not an expert. Oh, man. <gasps> Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> but um, it, it is one way of, of doing church. The problem with house churches is, you know, if we're at church to be a church, we've already established what you need to have. You don't need to have a building. You don't need to have a certain number of yep. people. Uh, what you do need are elders and deacons administering the ordinances, preaching the word. Uh, you need to have discipline practiced biblically and faithfully and, and gently. And you need um, the mission of God shared. So that's going to take different forms. Now, so since we're talking contextually, would the house church model work in Manhattan? Maybe, uh, but more than likely, it's going to struggle. Uh, and, and house churches are a struggle. It doesn't mean that they're wrong, uh, but you know, a central gathering can struggle, and and the way that you do it can be difficult in different places. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering why, why, why is there a thought that the house church would do better? I, I guess I think he's arguing this might be in light of the fact that it, well, it's going to uh, a, a gathering in a place is going to cost money. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the financial restrictions. Yeah, and so you have to consider all that. So house church, it's not a wrong thing at all. It's one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, in in Tokyo, Japan, uh, house church model not as uh, not as much of a thing there. Uh, the people that are be the, the people that are being reached, they see a building, and this is what Japanese people have told me that um, they see they see a place that is established and it seems more legit. They're like, that's a place I would investigate. I would check that. I'm more comfortable going to that than going into somebody's small, small gathering. That's very awkward and unfamiliar. So it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just a contextual thing. Mm. If, uh, if, if I thought house church model was the most profitable model for where I'm at, that's what I would want to do. I don't th- think that's the case. Um, I think this model is most appropriate. And as, as, long, as long as you have all the essential elements of what a church is, and you're doing that, I don't care what the size is. Yeah. You've got 20 people yeah. in a house, awesome. It's great. If you've got uh, uh, 200 people uh, in a building, great. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm personally, I'm not super excited about the house church model, except where I see it working. So am I super excited about what you call the traditional model? Well, I'm excited when it's working. That's, yeah. that's, what, yeah, it, that's yeah, yeah. what excites me. So that'd be my basic, you know, hmm. sort of thing. All right, we got one more. One more. Here we go. Last one, best one. It's your favorite one. All right. It's by, uh, we'll call him BB. Okay. Subject, cussing. Oh, how is this? Why is this my favorite one? Yeah, because you cuss all the time, bro. Oh my goodness, you were like that kid on the Bad News Bears 
who was always <laughs> swearing. Not at all. I'm just kidding. All right. He says, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I like to hear your input on Christians and swearing. I have some friends in seminary who never cussed when I first met them, but they have started cussing. It's oh, because it's so hip and cool. <laughs> it's cringy to say the least because it feels like they're trying to be edgy or cool Christians. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Hmm. Okay. So um, I'm going to link in the show notes to Paul Maxwell's discussion on cussing. Right. It yep. is. It's really good. Really good. And you got to listen to the whole thing because it's too easy to draw a conclusion to where you think he's going to go. It's a very helpful discussion. Um, and I'm not, I don't have the brain and I'm not prepared to do uh, what Paul did in mm. that. So you really do need to listen to that. But in short, Jimmy, is, uh, is cussing good or bad? Context. Oh, context. So context. If, it's, if it's in a house church, it's okay. If it's in a <laughs> traditional church, it's not okay. Oh, no, you cannot. You cannot because the stained glass is there and Jesus is looking down upon yeah, you. Yeah, because that'll then you're judged immediately. Yeah, right yeah, there. You yeah, might just burn. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way we talk about it is we all use differing words and different language for different contexts. Uh, when Jimmy and I are talking and it's just us, there are, there's, we talk one way. Uh, when I'm talking to my children, it's a different way. When I'm talking to my wife, it's a different way. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully, uh, we're, we're working to be godly and truthful and all of that. But yeah, you, we do talk to one another different. Like certainly a husband is going to say things to his wife and use words with his wife that he may not use, uh, with a lady at the church. That yeah. just, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense to people, right? Like, okay, you know, kiss me like you mean it, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know what people say. I don't, I, I don't I, know. I can't, I can't I don't imagine know ever trying to bring that up. Okay. I, I might say, I might make comments about my wife's uh, looks in, in her favor, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would, I would, I would not do that, you know, with other people in the church. Right. Mm. So uh, context is like you said, uh, really big on cussing. Um, there are, I guess there it really, it sort of depends. People that are going to say, oh, well, it's just a cultural thing. Sometimes that's just a reason to, to dismiss language as having any meaning. And that's, we're not deconstructionists. So we're, we're not yeah. going down that way. But I would say that um, what is permissible in one context might not be permissible in another. Um, if guys are just swearing just to swear, just to get people riled up, well, that's obviously coming from a bad place. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I'm not bothered by swearing. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't trip me up. My children hear swear words, not from me, uh, but they go but to public. Jen, but Jen, yeah. Uh, yeah. They go to public school and they hear all the words. And it's uh, what we've just told our kids is, listen, you hear how daddy talks, right? All right. And you hear how the world talks. You, you know the difference. We, you yeah. don't talk like that. You talk like daddy talks. But I'll tell you the truth. The jokes that we make in my house would not be acceptable in some other houses. No. <laughs> well, don't, no. What, do you, what do you mean? No. No. I'm not even going to share one of them. <laughs> I'm not even going to share one of them. Because again, it's uh, what's funny to us might not be funny to another person. Or society. Or the world. <laughs> so um, yeah. So you you might not like, Ben, you might not like uh, what where we basically land on this non-answer answer that we're giving you, uh, which is um, what, 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 what is a swear word? What constitutes a swear word? Um, obviously, if 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 your if your preacher is is uh, dropping cuss words from the pulpit, that's clearly a problem. Yeah, not, not because the word itself has some innate power in it, but because you are troubling the consciences of people. 
Um, so when the scripture calls us to to use our words rightly and righteously and for the good of others, you have to take that into very serious consideration. Absolutely. So I, I'll say this: I am I choose my words carefully, and some of my words at in certain contexts will be harsh or hard, uh, and sometimes that's important or necessary for what I'm trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I'm very intentional. So I might say I might make a humorous joke in one context that I wouldn't make in another because it wouldn't be understood. It wouldn't be received. Yeah. So all that to say, um, yeah, you pretty much, this is how we talk. Uh, we talk on the podcast. Um, there's, there's some filtering because this is for public consumption, but this is how we talk when we're just hanging out with guys. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, if people, I mean, listen, talk to them about it. If your friends are, are, are swearing, you find it cringy, you know, let's have a good conversation. That's that's the thing to do. I mean, you want to talk about it. Hey, so I noticed that you guys use words now that you weren't using before. Mm-hmm. So is your conscience okay with it? Are you doing it to be funny? Are you doing it to be edgy? Um, you know, and, and don't assume that they're doing it to be cool. Um, I don't know anybody that uses language to be cool. Yeah, but I'm sure it happens. Um, but I know I know a lot of people that swear, and it's just for me, it's not a thing that I really care about one way or the other. Any, any thoughts on? On Jimmy, what's your favorite swear word? What's my? Why, why don't you share with everybody? I can't. Since we're sharing, no, no, because it's a it's a British one. Oh, oh, like uh, no, because we have British listeners, so don't do it. Oh, see, I can't. No, you can't. Well, I lived in West Chicago, and some of the kids used to call me names when I lived in West Chicago. Yeah, I could share some of those. No, no, because I think we have listeners down south as well in uh, Central and South America, and just yeah. people who speak Spanish in general, probably. <laughs> well, we'll know that as well. Yes, yes. Okay. What about no? If I do, okay, what does it rhyme with? No, we're not going to do that. You can do what it rhymes with. Here's, I, I, I mean, here, here's some for my Canadians. They're not swear words, but like, you know, hoser, things like that. Those yeah, that's are just a good funny. One. Yeah, funny ones. I made up a, a swear word when I was at Moody, and people got really offended. What was the made up swear well, it's word? Well, it's a real word, but it's never used as an insult. Well, I, I, was, I, was, young, I was young and stupid. Okay. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. Uh, but uh, we were at the lunch table. Everybody's mm-hmm. there, but guys, girls, are there. and uh, one, of the guy was, one of the guys was being like lame and annoying. And I, I said he was, he, was, he was being a nipple. And uh, yeah, everybody got really offended that I called him a nipple. Mm. But I just thought it, was, you know, it's just, it doesn't mean anything. It's just everybody's got nipples. So I thought like that would be a funny word. It didn't go over well. It did not go no, well. I, I, no, I had no. to stop that pretty much the first time I used it. They were like, no, that's not. Um, <laughs> and now you brought it up okay. 103 years later. Uh, because I'm just trying to be real. Like let people know, hey, man, I've said dumb things. Mm, probably probably might have been the worst thing I ever said. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Diva or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can hear the website, DrVotion.com. They can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com and grab some gear. Fresh pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. You're such a nipple. Mm.